Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We're in a series that we're calling Follow, and uh, I'm excited about this series. But in this series, we're looking at the call that Jesus made to his disciples and to us today to follow him. This was an urgent call when Jesus was walking the earth, and it's really still an urgent call even today. Jesus is looking for true followers, kingdom-minded disciples who walk like he walked, who talk as Jesus talked, who live as Jesus lived. And really one of the big questions that I want you to think about in the room watching online Think about throughout this series, really begin to talk to yourself, ask yourself, am I truly following Jesus? That's one of the questions I want us to ask. That's one of the ones I want us to, I don't know if you would say wrestle with it, but am I truly living like Jesus? Am I walking like Jesus? Am I doing what Jesus did? And one of our key verses for this series is 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. We looked at it last week, but before we do, I want to ask you guys another question. How many parents do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Raise your hand if you're a parent, all right? Now, how many of you, not only are you parents, and this can apply to everybody, but how many of you have ever been a leader of a group of people, a boss, or let's say a coach? How many of you have ever been a leader or a coach or a boss The majority of us, that hits the majority of us in this room. But let me ask you another question. As a parent or as a boss, as a leader, as a coach, how many of you have ever had somebody disobey a direct order from you? Anybody ever had somebody disobey? How many of your spouse? No, don't raise your hand there. (laughs) Disobey. Another way we could say it is this. How many of you have ever had someone that you were leading or coaching, not do what you ask them to do. Anybody? Well, I want to tell you a story. You know, Tasha and I, we have, we have three boys. And um, I've coached all those boys. I coached um, baseball and uh, basketball and realized that that wasn't their sport. And we said, let's not play that one anymore. And, uh, but then they played football. And so we've played a lot of sports as a family. And I've coached them. And uh, I coached the first two primarily through to middle school in their sports. And Malik rolls around. Malik is our eight-year-old. And I was like, I'm done. I've retired as a coach. I don't want to coach anymore. I want to just be able to do what I want to do and let somebody else control the heathens called toddlers, you know. And so I just was like, I'm not going to do this. But I obeyed my wife because she said, you are going to coach him. And so guess what? I coached Malik. And uh, anyway, his, uh, I can't remember if his, his kindergarten, his first year of t-ball or his second year of t-ball. I'm pretty sure it was his first. One of the things, and John helped me coach our boys, and one of the things that I tried teaching these little boys is when the ball is hit, everybody doesn't chase the ball, right? How many of you have ever been there where it's like you got 11 boys just, you know, running all over the place? And so I remember I, in practice, I'm like, you know, if the ball's hit, you know, and it goes to the outfield, 
Now let's say he goes to the left field. The left fielder goes and gets the ball, and he throws it back to the base that I'm yelling, or he throws it to the pitcher, you know? We don't all chase the ball. And so we worked on that, and we rehearsed that. And some of them, it was just like, you know, the ball's hitting, they're like, you know, they want to take off, but I thought we had it handled. And, I, and I, I'm pretty sure first game rolls around. First pitch, ball hit in between the shortstop and the, and the third baseman and goes into left field. And guess what happened? Eleven boys <laughs> take off running, my son included, and runs out there. And then another thing I was teaching them is when you get to the ball, we don't lay on top of the ball. And you know what I'm talking about. I've mean, seen little boys, they get out there and it's like they hover over. And it's like, I got it. No, no, pick it up. They're running. Throw it in, you know. And I remember, and, they, and I watch these boys, and they run, and find, I forget which kid dives on the ball, probably a Davis boy. But anyway, lays on top of the boy on the ball, and I'm just waiting for them to throw it in, and I'm screaming. And I'm just going to tell you, I was not thinking or acting like Jesus in that moment. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was upset. And because I, I remember, I told them, we do not do that. We don't lay on the ball. But as I was thinking about this message even this week, I was reflecting on this story. And you think, why would, why would you think of this story? Because I started thinking about what it must feel like for Jesus every time I disobey him. Every time, even though he's taught me to do what's right, he has given us commands. And every time I keep chasing the ball out of the left field. That's what I was thinking about. You know, God has given us commands, and I'm not just talking about the Ten Commandments. We see throughout the Word how to obey Him, how to follow Him, how to live like Him, how to act like them, and, and they're, we look at them as suggestions. When I was coaching my boys, it was not a suggestion, let's don't all run into the outfield. It was a command from Coach Chad. We don't all run into the outfield. But we do just the same thing today. We've taken these commands of God, and every time the ball is hit, we run into left field like it was a suggestion not to do that. We just can't help ourselves. We want to chase the ball. And therein lies our problem. Jesus has given us, his followers, some pretty straightforward directions, some pretty straightforward commands, and we keep looking at them like they are mere suggestions. And today what I want to tell you as followers of Jesus, we always obey. As followers of Jesus, we always obey, not just when it's convenient, not when it's easy, or not when time allows. You see, at Destiny Church, we want to be a company of kingdom-minded believers who follow Jesus no matter what. If you take nothing else away from today's message, I want you to grab a hold of this. There is no Christianity outside of wholeheartedly following in the footsteps of Jesus. And really, today's message, I want it to be more of a reflection. I want you to think. I'm hoping to land some punches today. <laughs> because a, this message has been ringing in my heart for weeks. As Christians, there's no Christianity outside of wholeheartedly following after Jesus. There's no Christianity. You can't put Christianity in this box where Jesus comes to die for our sins. 
without us committing to conform to the image and the likeness of Jesus. We want to be Christians, but we don't want to conform. There is no Christianity without being a disciple who imitates, who follows, and obeys Jesus. And my hope today is to begin to get us to get this as a church. I can't just be a Christian in name only, but I want to be in my deeds and in my action, in my heart, in my lifestyle. And today I want to remind you of one of our key verses. I just want to paraphrase it, but this verse will be on the screen. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Again, remember it says, Ezra studied the word of God. Ezra lived out the word of God. And Ezra taught the word of God. And that's what a follower of Jesus does. They study the word of God. Last week we looked at they spend time with Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have to spend time with Jesus. If you don't spend time with him, I'm just telling you, you're not going to have a relationship with Jesus. Ezra not only studied the word of God, the Bible tells us he lived it out. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Ezra lived it out. Ezra obeyed. And that's what followers of Jesus do. They live out the word of God. They obey the word of God. They do what the word of God says. All right, I want to pray over you. Jesus, I come before you in these next few moments and I ask you, would you be in this room? Would you do something special today? Would you speak to our hearts? Speak to our lives, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week I read to you 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. I read it to you from um, a translation called the Passion Translation. And today I want to read these verses to you from two different translations. I want to read to you verse 3 from the Amplified. And then I want to read verse 4, 5, and 6 from the Message Bible. And I want you to take some things away. And the reason I want to start with the Amplified is there's a, ver- a word in here that I really want us to catch when it's talking about following after Jesus. So let's look at it. First John 2, um, 3 through 6. And the, like again, this verse, verse is from the Amplified Bible. And this is how we know. And I want you to see this. In the Amplified Bible, you'll see parentheses. It's kind of describing um, that, that parentheses is kind of describing what it's trying to accomplish, what it's trying to say. It's trying to give a little more depth. And this is how we know, daily by experience, it says, that we've come to know him, to understand him, to be more deeply acquainted with him. And here's this word I want us to focus on, if we habitually. This is how we know that we're followers. I want you to hear me. If we consistently obey him. That's what this is saying right here. This is how we know that we are followers of Jesus if we habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teachings. How do I know if I'm a follower of Jesus? Am I following his word? Well, how am I going to know if I'm following his word if I'm not in his word? This is how we know if we are disciples. I'm doing what the word of God says. I'm following the word. I'm in the word. I'm hiding it in my heart. Remember, it's the light to my path. So I can't know where I'm going if I'm not using the word as that lamp and as that light. I can't obey if I'm not in the word. So this is how I know if I consistently keep his commands. Now I want to look at the next three verses from the message translation. If someone says, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. 
And I think what we've tried to do in the church is we've tried to water down a lot of these challenging statements from the Word of God. And we've tried to make it simple to be a Christian and we can do what we want and we don't have to believe these things. But in, in, the, in the Bible, it says, if you don't obey him and yet you say you are a Christian, the Bible says you are a liar. It's not my words. It's not my desires. It's what the word is teaching. And what I want Destiny Church to be is a church that teaches the word. We have to follow the word. And so it says it. If someone claims I know him well, but they don't keep his commands, they don't obey him, they don't follow him, he's a liar. His life doesn't match his words. And I want to ask you today, does your life match your words? Does your life match your words? But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. Did you see this? And love's a big idea in obedience. And we're going to look at this actually to wrap up today. But when we obey him, what it's saying is we actually begin to live and operate in his love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. This is the only way. What's it meaning? Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Wow. Anyone who claims to follow God, anyone who claims to be intimate with God, must live as Jesus lived. Another way we could say this, from another translation, anyone who claims to be a Christian, anyone who says, if I was to come to the majority of churches in America today and say, how many of you are Christians? The majority of people sitting in our seats would raise their hands. So if any of you claim to be a Christian, how do we know that we are a Christian? How do we know that we're a follower of Jesus? We must walk as Jesus walked. It seems pretty clear. In the word of God, it seems pretty clear. John tells us if we claim to know Jesus, if we claim to be his disciples, we must walk as Jesus walked. And honestly, church, here's another question we have to ask ourselves. Am I doing that? Am I walking as Jesus walked? The Greek word here for walked is the word peripateo. And it means more than like, I'm going to walk down a dusty road with Jesus. Now that's a part of it. If I'm following Jesus, I want to follow in his footsteps, whether we're walking down a path or a trail or wherever. It means I want to walk with Jesus. But what it really means here is more than just walking, but it means just as Jesus regulated his life by a certain set of standards, just how Jesus conducted his life, what John is saying here is how Jesus regulated his life, how Jesus operated his life, how Jesus conducted his life, you must conduct yours. You must regulate your life 
just as Jesus did. If Jesus were alive and walking today, it's not saying that I simply walk down the road with him. It's saying what I see Jesus do, I do. What I see Jesus say, I say. What I say Jesus, how I see Jesus love, I love. That's what the scripture is saying here, and that's what disciples do. That's what followers do. We don't only go to church. We don't only read our Bible every once in a while, but we do what the Word says. We do. Jesus is the Word. He is the Word in flesh, and we do what Jesus does. That's what this scripture is telling us. We walk where Jesus walked. We peripateo, meaning I conduct my life just as Jesus conducted his life. I want you to hear me. John was not saying, if you are a Christian, then you need to in some sort of general style, following the life of Jesus that he might have adopted in this world. Kind of, sort of follow. Sort of obey. It's not what John is saying here. Kind of, sort of follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Pick and choose. Do what feels right in the moment. Uh, You know, interpret the Bible according to your own desires, your own wants, your own wishes. That's not what John is saying here. Isn't this, though, what a lot of us do? Isn't this what we do? Don't we pick and choose what we want to obey? Don't we interpret the Scriptures how we want to interpret the Scriptures? And we wonder why are we struggling in our faith? No, as New Testament believers, we walk as Jesus walked. We live as Jesus lived. We love as Jesus loved. It's easy. It's simple. Do what Jesus did. That's what what John is saying here. As Christians, we must fully regulate our lives just as Jesus did, or if Jesus were to come to the earth today, just as Jesus would. We must walk like him. We must love like him. We must speak like him. We must have faith like him. We must speak like him. I want you to think of it this way. Think about a company of soldiers. Whatever branch of the military you might have served in or might know the most or might love the most. I want you to think about a company of soldiers. They've gone through basic training. They've given up their time. They've given up their freedom. They've they've done everything they need to do. They've given up self-interest. They are fully immersed into the military now. And the time comes when they're actually called into battle. They've went through training. They've went through practice. The coaches said, we don't all chase the ball out into left field. You know, They've set it all up. Here's your role. Here's what you do. They've got it all figured out. And the first battle comes up, and the commanding officer gives a order to go or to do whatever. And what would happen if the soldiers refused? What would happen if the commanding officer said, hey, I want you guys to take this hill, and they said, you know what, I don't feel like it. What would happen if the commanding officer gave this group of soldiers the command to, you know, hey, I need you to get this side, and they said, you know what, I don't really agree, I don't interpret it that way. Or what if he gave another group of soldiers this command to, I need you to go straight at the enemy, and they said, you know what, I've got some different priorities right now. You know, like, things are kind of hectic at home, and I really just don't feel it. What do you think would happen? Well, they would probably fail, right? 
They'd probably get a good uh, rear end chewing first. But they would fail. But this is exactly what we do. We've been given our marching orders from Jesus. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. Lay it all down. But yet as the church and as Christians, we continue to look at God's marching orders as suggestions and not as commands. Well, I don't really have to do this. And there are so many scriptures in the Bible, and I want you to hear me, that indicate, that, the, uh, that, that indicate obedience is the line of demarcation between those who follow and those who don't. Let me say it again. Obedience is the line of demarcation for those who follow and those who don't follow. Yeah, as Christians, we hop from one side of the line to the other, depending on the day of the week, depending on the crowd we're with, depending on what we feel like, depending on how much we, meet, we need God. We pick and choose. What I'm trying to get across to you today is this. Obedience is a very serious issue for God. Obedience. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It's not going to be on the screen. It's kind of a last-minute addition as I was praying last night and this morning. I felt like the Lord just kind of put this verse in my heart, and it is one of those wow verses, especially from the message translation. I want you to hear this. Do you think that all God wants are sacrifices? Listen, empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Really listening to him is the thing. Listen to what it says. Not staging a lavish religious production. When I read this, I was like, oh my goodness. This sounds like the church. But listen to what it says at the end. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. What's he saying? I want obedience more than I want your religious productions. What's he saying? I want obedience more than you look right when you're in the church. What he's saying is I want obedience every day, all the time. Obedience. Not just empty rituals. I want you to obey. And we can't just skip past verses like this or challenges like this and think this doesn't apply to me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. I can live my life however I want to. I want you to hear me. Followers of Jesus obey Jesus no matter the cost, no matter the day, no matter the week, no matter the moment. We obey is this a popular message? I don't probably think so. Is this the message that's going to grow churches? I don't know. But I just know that I don't care anymore because God is saying, Chad, we must obey. It's not about the production. It's not about the big stage. It's not even about the big church. It's about raising up a generation of believers who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if God says charge the hill, they'll charge the hill. They're not going to debate. They're not going to get into it. Well, I think this is a better way. No, God said it. I'm going to do it. Obey. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here directly from the lips of Jesus that just kind of just um, show how much Jesus thinks of him, of obedience in Christians. Matthew 10 38. Listen to what he says here. Whoever doesn't take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. John 8 31. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who claimed to believe in him, and he said, if you stick with this, what's he saying? If you live out what I tell you, what's that mean? If you obey what I tell you, you are my disciples. John 15, 14 says this, you are my friends if you obey me. Obey. 
And these are just a few examples we see here in Scripture, but one of the most detailed examples I can give you from Scripture is a story from Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 tells us a story of about a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And he has one question in mind, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He tells Jesus, hey, I've obeyed all the laws. I've went to church. I've given. I've read my Bible. I've done it all. What do I got to do? I think what he was wanting is Jesus to say, you're, you're good. Here you go. Here's your ticket. But Jesus doesn't even deal with what he's obeyed. It doesn't do any of that. Jesus simply responds and tells him, hey, you have one more thing to do. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you can follow me. And the rich young man, he, he simply couldn't do it. In fact, Scripture tells us, you can go read the story in Luke chapter 18, he was sad because his money, and you can put in whatever here. You can put in his fame. You can put in popularity. You can put his image. You can put whatever words you want to. That was more important to him than Jesus. And I, let me just ask you guys a question. If Jesus asked you to give up, fill in the blank, what would your response be? Man walked away sad. And I want you to hear me today. Jesus isn't against money. Jesus isn't against possessions. That is not what Jesus was saying to the man here. He's not saying to him, hey, you can't get into heaven if you have money. That's not what he's saying. It's not it at all. What Jesus was saying to this man is this, and what he's saying to a lot of us in this room is right now you trust in your money more than you trust in me, or you trust in your popularity, or you trust in your image, or you trust in your own ability, or you trust in your family, or you trust in your religious traditions, whatever it might be. That's what Jesus is saying here to this rich young ruler. He's saying, hey, I'm not against your money. I'm not against your possessions. He said, I'm asking you to give me the thing that you trust in more than me. And that young man says, hey, I trust in this more than I trust in you. And I wonder today, what are you trusting in more than you're trusting in Jesus? What are you trusting in? And it's causing you to disobey your lack of faith, your lack of obedience. What is it? What are you trusting in that's causing you to disobey Jesus? And that's what we see with this young man. In fact, Jesus says to him, I want you to trust me so much that you're willing to give away this money. And as I was reading this story, you know what I really thought of? I thought of Abraham and Isaac. Hey, I, hey Abraham, I want you to give your son, your only son, your promised son. And I want you to take him and sacrifice him and give him to me. I mean, we live in a different world, obviously. But put yourself in those shoes. If, if God had given me a promised son and said, hey, I need you to go sacrifice that son, I'm probably going to say, sorry, Lord. Can't do it. But the scripture tells us early the next morning, Abraham got up and went and did it. And when he got there ready to sacrifice, what's it say? God provided the sacrifice. I wonder, as I was reading this story, it's just like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I really wasn't after this young man's money. I was after his heart. And if he had given me my heart, his heart, he would have had more money. It's just something the Lord just nudged in my heart. We trust in stuff more than we trust in God. When we trust in stuff more than we trust in God, we disobey. 
And that's what happens with with this young man. And as we looked at last week in Luke chapter 14, to truly follow Jesus, we must love God more than anything else in this world, more than money, more than family, more than possessions, more than image, more than reputation, more than social media follows, more than our health, more than life itself. Listen, if you have anything in your life that you can't lay down to follow Jesus, here's the big question I have for you. Ask yourself, am I truly following Jesus? Are we getting this today? Hopefully there's some depth happening today. Jesus told the rich man what he had to do, and the rich man couldn't do it. So here's the big question I want us to, like, Can we focus right here? And I want you to take this in. I want you to really think about this. When all was said and done with this man, do you think he was a follower of Jesus? I want you to think about it. When all was said and done, was this man a disciple of Jesus? I mean, think about it. He didn't deny Christ. He didn't say this man is a demon. He didn't say this is not the Christ. In fact, he was wanting to follow the Christ. It appears he desired to follow Jesus. He simply couldn't get himself to fully obey. He had given up 99% of the things, but there was one area left in his life that he couldn't give over to God. But isn't that what a lot of us do? We give him so many things. But we hold on to certain areas of our life just because we can't trust or because we don't want to obey. Yet we call ourselves followers. We call ourselves Christians. How, what do we, how do we look at this man? I know in my mind I look at this man and think he's not a believer. Because he chose to walk away. He chose to not obey. But I know in my own heart there are areas where I shield off from God. No God, you can't have that. And I have to ask myself. Am I really a follower? If I have areas of my life that I won't give over to him, that's what I'm wrestling with in this series. That's why there's the depth in this message as I preach it to you. We wanted to point fingers at this man and say, no, he probably wasn't, but do we want to point him at ourselves? Let me say, let me take this even a little bit further. Let's say the man said to himself, even after his encounter with Jesus, where Jesus said, hey, you can't follow me unless you give this, and the man said no, and he walked away. Let's just imagine this man said, you know what? I still want to be around Jesus. I still want to listen to his podcasts. I'm still going to devote some of my time and energy to, to his ministry. I'm still going to devote some of my time, effort, and energy, some of my stuff into being a good, por- a good person. I'm going to really try to be moral. And you know what? I'll even go to the synagogue as long as he's the one preaching. And if there's other followers, I don't want to follow them. But as long as he's preaching, maybe I'll even donate some money to his cause. Surely I'll have eternal life then because wasn't that his question at the beginning of the day anyway? What do I got to do to have eternal life? And I think that's the question we have to grapple with today. Can we part-time serve Jesus? Can we kind of sort of pick and choose? 
Man, think about it. If, if this man refused what Jesus said, was he a disciple? And if he wasn't a disciple, then the real question is, did he get eternal life? And please hear me, I'm just, honestly with this message, I'm, I'm still processing some of my thoughts. I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not condemning. But Pastor Chad, I thought salvation was free. Are you telling me now I have to work for my salvation? I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying you have to work for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Nothing in this world. Our salvation is based fully and completely on what Jesus has done, on what Jesus did. As far as the initial act of salvation, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us, confess, believe, receive, and you will be saved. That's it. That's, but that's not the end of your Christian journey. But that's what a lot of us have done. We've walked forward. We've raised our hand with nobody looking. We've said yes. I don't want anybody to know. We've said yes. We punched our ticket into heaven. We've got our eternal ticket secured. And then we just want to live our lives. But where I am in my life is maybe there's more. Maybe there's more to this Christian journey than just saying yes and going to heaven. Maybe there's more. What I'm talking about today is that salvation is the beginning. But after you've said yes to Jesus, after you've confessed, after you've been forgiven, can we continue to look, listen to me, after you've been forgiven, can we continue to look at his commands as mere suggestions and still be disciples Or do we have to follow? Do we have to obey? Look at 821. Jesus speaking here, he says, My family are those who hear the message and obey the message. According to the word of God, those who are part of his family not only hear the word, but they don't only go to church, they aren't only moral, but they obey the word of God. They live it out. The bottom line is this. We don't work for our salvation. I don't work for it. I can't earn it. But I must take an active part in my faith journey that requires obedience. I walk in obedience to his will, his word, and his way. And as I live that out, I am truly a follower of Jesus, and I have a hope in eternity. And listen, I know as I wrap up, I know all of this can sound cumbersome. And it can almost sound like a bait and switch. Like, hey, it's free, it's easy. That's not the intent of this message. I don't want it to sound cumbersome. I don't want it to sound like a burden. I don't want it to sound harsh. I don't want it to sound like, hey, if you, do, you have to do this or else. I'm not trying uh, to spark fear with this message. I'm trying to communicate, in fact, something entirely different. What I'm trying to communicate to you with this message, with this series, is this. As you, as you fall in love with Jesus, and that comes from spending time with him, but as you fall in love with Jesus, you want to obey Jesus. 1 John 5, 3, this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. The message translation says it this way, do we love God? Do we keep his commands? Listen to what it says, the proof that we love God comes when we keep his commands, and they are not troublesome. Wow. Now look at John 14, 15. If you've walked through freedom, you're going to know this verse. John, 15, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. In this one scripture, you can see the wrestling match that's been inside my soul for a lot of years. 
And honestly, until I went through freedom for the first time, I always read this verse from the mindset that says, this is Jesus. If you love me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then you're going to do what I tell you to do. That's how I read that verse. That's how I lived a big portion of my Christian life. Chad, if you love me, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Bottom line. I'm the boss. You're going to do it. It's like this condemning voice. It's, like, it's a lot like when a boy tells a girl, hey, if you love me, you will. If you love me, prove it. And that was my thinking. Chad, if you love me, you'll prove it. And I've spent a lot of years trying to prove it to God. I've spent a lot of years trying to prove to God that I loved him. And I've spent, and with all those years trying to prove it, I'm going to tell you, it's left me feeling empty many days. It's left me feeling hollow. It's left me feeling like it was a burden, like it was something I had to carry, some load that I had to carry. I had to earn my salvation. I had to be a puppet. I had to make it all better. And listen to me, it's almost like it's impossible when you live from this mindset that says, if I love him, I have to do what he says or he's going to be mad at me. But that's not what scripture is saying here. That's not what God wants. God is not looking for people who are just puppets and I have to obey him or he's going to punish me. That's not what God is looking for. God is looking for people who fall in love with him. And as you fall in love with him, you want to do what he asks you to do. That's what God is asking from us today. I want, I preach this whole message today to get to this point. What Jesus is saying here is this. If you fall in love with me, and how do we fall in love with him? By getting in his word, by praying, by spending time with him, by being faithful in God's house, by being in a life group, by surrounding ourselves with Christian community. That's how I fall in love with Jesus. And Jesus says, as you fall in love with me, you're going to want to obey what I command. Let me tell you, it's so much easier. It's not if you do this. It's not that. But rather, it's, man, Chad, when you love me, you want to do what I want you to do. You want to obey. You want to do it. It's a lot like my relationship with my wife or my kids. I want to serve her. I want to serve my kids. I want to make them happy. I want to meet their needs. Why? Because I have to? No, I want to. Think of your grandkids. You, you want to make them happy. You don't have to. You want to. You want to do this. And when you fall in love with Jesus, it becomes a privilege. It's not I have to obey. It's I get to obey. I get to do this. It is a privilege. I get to follow Jesus. I get to walk like Jesus walked. I get to do what Jesus did. I get to see the things Jesus saw. Why? Because I'm obeying him. I'm following in his footsteps. I am intimate and close with Jesus. I get to be a part of the kingdom of God. And I want you to get this right here. Write this down. The motivation for obeying Jesus is and must always be love and not fear. Let me say it again. The motivation for loving Jesus is and must always be love and not fear. We, As Christians, we want to obey him, not because we're afraid that judgment is going to be beat down on our heads. No, I get to obey him. Why? Because of what he's done in my life, what he's continuing to do in my life. I get to do this. I get to do this. Destiny Church, true followers of Jesus not only hear the word of God, but they live it out. They obey. And that's what I'm calling us to today. I'm calling us to obedience. I'm calling us to take this word and let it guide your life.
Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.